Welcome to Time Out for Anesthesia. In these episodes, you'll hear a variety of experts discuss data, analytics, and strategies that can help you modernize and empower your anesthesia practice. We want this podcast to really benefit you, so if you have any questions or a specific topic you'd like Time Out to discuss, you can email us at timeout at graphiumhealth.com. Enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Time Out for Anesthesia. I'm your host, David Henderson. And with us today is a really awesome guest that I've become quickly a fan of. He runs a podcast called Anesthesia Guidebook, and it is completely designed to, I don't want to ruin it, I guess, but completely designed uh, to help anesthesia providers become masters of their craft. And I have to say it is Really, really well done. If you haven't checked it out yet, check the links here. We'll make sure that there's links available for you. But uh, without further ado, welcome to the show, John Lawrence. How are you doing oh, today, John? David, what an intro, man. Thank you so much. Talking <laughs> me up. That's awesome. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing fine. Um, really, honestly, I um, I am not just kind of blowing sunshine out there. Uh, you have a really great podcast. Great. I'm a big you. fan. Yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal. How long, how long has Anesthesia Guidebook been around? So I launched Anesthesia Guidebook actually in the fall of 2020, but its roots go a little bit further back than that. In 2015, I started a podcast called From the Head of the Bed. And that was always that was always a weird name. You know, it's a weird name to start a proper noun with the word from. I, I'm not <laughs> real sharp on English. I don't know what part of English from is, but when you're like, I'm from, from the head of the bed, you know, <laughs> it's a good point. I never would have thought yeah, it's it. strange, it, you know, it's a little too nichey. So I actually rebranded the show in, uh, the fall of 2020, but overall I've been doing, um, the podcast geared towards anesthesia providers since about 2015. Okay, great. Um, and what brought you, uh, are, are you an anesthesia provider yourself? Yeah. So I'm a CRNA or a certified registered nurse anesthetist and the podcast idea got going, you know, I went to graduate school for anesthesia, uh, back in 2013. And around that time, I mean, I think podcasts just became a thing like in the oh, late, yeah. you know, 2000 single digits. Uh, so really 2012, 2011, somewhere around in there, there weren't a whole lot of shows that were specific for anesthesia providers. So, as I was commuting into work as a critical care nurse, you know, gearing up for anesthesia, I was listening to anything I could that was remotely relevant. And probably the best content back then was coming out of the critical care and emergency medicine domains. And so I felt like there was this void really that spoke specifically to anesthesia providers. And, and the work we do is unique. You know, it's, it is part critical care. It is part emergency medicine, but it's a unique environment in terms of uh, what we do with patients physiologically and, you know, the, the challenges that we face in the operating room, in procedures, in the healthcare sphere, even from like yeah. a business standpoint. So I felt like there was an opportunity to speak directly to anesthesia providers and, and that kind of became uh, the inspiration for getting the show together. So it was something that I launched as part of our graduate school work. And then it's um, I've continued it since then. That's neat. Um, Graphium Health, which is who I work for, 
um, has a real similar story where, um, and I think it's kind of the more I get involved with anesthesia providers and hear just about the environment in general, I feel like that's always a story that anesthesia, there's a bunch of stuff going on, except for anesthesia that hasn't, people have left them out. <laughs> and so there's, there's this, there's always this kind of need and that's, that's good and bad. The, the bad thing is, I guess that anesthesia, you know, they're not, they don't get the first things, but I think the good piece of that is when something does come to anesthesia, it's because there's a need that's being responded to by people who have noticed the need. Yeah. That's so and what that, and I think, and I think what that means is that the things that come to anesthesia actually tend to be more thought out, higher quality, and um, don't have to go through some of the pains of uh, the initial birth of the concept, as it were. And I mean, we're, Graphium has an electronic medical record and that same, the same story, Dr. Zavaleta got out of school and was like, what, what is the deal? We have no yeah. data available to us and things like that. And what we do have available is just awful. Right. Um, and so, and I think probably and not necessarily all, there are other things that were really, really cool. They just weren't useful for anesthesia. So it sounds like same thing uh, for anesthesia guidebook early in the day, there was a bunch of stuff for healthcare but where's, where's the attention for anesthesia? Yeah. The specific voice for anesthesia. So yeah. yeah, I mean, it's an adage, you know, people say it's one of the best kept secrets in healthcare because it's a great job. It's a great domain to work in. Uh, but that's interesting from kind of the business and the data side of things that you're seeing those gaps as well. And, you know, it reminds me of being in some, you know, rural ORs with like anesthesia machines from like the 1970s, <laughs> early 80s. So, yeah. I mean, things, whether it's practice uh, models, you know, like specific techniques and knowledge things, you know, I, I, I read at one point that it takes an average of 17 years for new evidence to reach mainstream practice. Wow. Uh, shocking, you know, that oh, we've got data, but it takes a long time for people to change. And you probably see that too in kind of how people approach the business and dynamics and whether it's, you know, utilization of electronic medical records or, you know, unique staffing models or whatever it might be. So uh, it is shocking at how slow things change. I think things sometimes change on the pace of careers, meaning like, as people retire and then new people come on, things shift. But I don't know. It's one of the things that makes me interested about doing a podcast is trying to change the way people think about their careers while they're in it. So they're not just doing the same thing over and over and over for 20 or 30 years. Right. What are what are some of those changes when you think when you think about your your typical listener um, and the changes that you're hoping to kind of help them get to what are some of the biggest changes that either you've seen or that you're hoping to affect through your podcast? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I really see, you know, the anesthesia providers as the people on the front lines who are doing the work, who are trying to get patients safely through the operating room. So, and there is a changing field. There's a changing um, dynamic as technology evolves, as pharmaceuticals evolve, and then the whole business side of things and billing and practice models. So there's, there is a lot of change going on in healthcare. I think, you know, For so you sure. can dive into any one of those domains in terms of techniques with airway management and video laryngoscopy or, you know, pharmacology in terms of 
reversal agents for neuromuscular blockade or trends in opioid-free anesthesia and an explosion of regional anesthesia peripheral nerve blocks or over to the billing side of things, you know, where you see anesthesia staffing model shifting, uh, you know, there's about equal numbers of physician anesthesiologists and CRNAs in the United States, but obviously anyone who has any exposure to anesthesia knows that there can be economic and political competition in that domain. So looking at innovative ways for those two anesthesia providers to get along and maximize each other's talents, I think is really interesting, which is, you know, part of the mission of anesthesia guidebook is to be a voice for the entire anesthesia community and not, not be super tribal. Even though I am a CRNA, the content that I put out, I want it to be relevant and to be able to help both providers. As you said in the intro, to really master their craft, to look at their career as something that, you know, the the sharper they are in their skills and their knowledge base and, you know, kind of the way they think about their careers can really help uh, them feel like they're mastering something that's really interesting and to kind of own that process and, um, and to be, to have like a deep satisfaction uh, on their journey. So, yeah, I think, you know, specifically to your question, I think some of the big changes Pharmacology is always an evolution. Uh, so we talk a lot about that. Um, we talk about, you know, wellness quite a bit, actually. Um, obviously, with COVID-19, that's been a huge stressor uh, for everyone, but particularly healthcare providers as we're dealing with, you know, changes in simple stuff like PPE, personal protective equipment, how to stay sure. safe, how to navigate, um, you know, rescheduling, uh, um, you know, surgical cases. So one of the shows we did for instance was with a a local surgeon who, you know, overnight shifted along with our anesthesia team, the way that we provide analgesia for total knee replacement surgeries so that those patients could go home same day of surgery, instead of having the typical overnight stay the hospital was crushed with COVID patients. And so they literally at like 2 PM on a Wednesday said any routine elective surgery that requires an overnight stay is being canceled. We're not doing them. We're, we're locking down. We're really just honing in on only doing cases that are deemed urgent or emergent. Every elective case that requires an overnight stay is getting canceled. So a way that um, they innovated this particular surgeon along with our anesthesia team said, you know, we've always done total knee replacement surgeries required our patients to stay overnight for pain control can we shift our approach to spinals and regional anesthesia in order to get these people out same day? And literally overnight, you know, it, it's, it's the context was this team had been working together for some time where we were good at doing the blocks, good at doing spinals, but we shifted our focus and our techniques. And the next day we started sending those patients home same day of surgery. And then we tracked the, that data in patients, uh, didn't have an increase in pain and they actually ended up using less opiates in the post-operative phase. So it was a huge success. And then we shared that story on anesthesia guidebook. And I can't tell you the number of times that I've heard in forums and blogs online, anesthesia providers going, you know, sometimes somewhat begrudgingly talk again, talking about, you know, change in healthcare, you know, my institution is shifting towards, you know, doing hips and knees as outpatient surgery uh, with same day discharge, who's got a good anesthesia plan out there? Who's been doing this? And so a podcast platform is a way to share that kind of um, working knowledge of, you know, what are people doing and how are we doing it? And I've been able to, to kick that show out to a number of groups across the nation, which has been really helpful. 
Yeah, that's phenomenal. And that story blows my mind. That's something I hadn't, of course, I'm not an anesthesia provider and so I'm not yeah. as plugged in. So I hadn't heard that. Um, yeah, I am. Um, I wonder if after this, I'm going to go grab that episode um, oh, yeah. and, yeah, yeah. and I'll, I'll stick a link in this so that people can oh, yeah, listen to great. it because I'm going to go listen to it. That's incredible. Yeah, it's a great story. So it's, it's the show is me talking with the surgeon and our lead regional physician anesthesiologist. So okay. you get to hear, you know, from the people who, who made those changes and who, who it really matters. I mean, it matters most to the patients in terms of the care they get, but really the surgeon was looking at not being able to do cases. Uh, and so right. the innovation to spin on, on a really like a 12 hour time frame uh, and to change the way that they were doing things really enabled him to continue to provide care for his patients. So, so it's those kinds of things, you know, getting those stories out quickly. And I think a podcast again is an interesting platform because you look at the traditional length of time it takes you to get something through a peer river, a peer reviewed journal publication process. You know, it can be a couple of years before that same kind of story is able to get out there with the data, with the data right. analysis. And, and then, you know, who are you catching with the, I don't want to say like peer reviewed journals are, you know, not uh, important. They're, they're right. like, they're the bedrock of evidence-based uh, medicine, but how can we share information more quickly? I think a podcast um, gives you the ability to do that. Yeah, that's a great call. And there's also something that kind of is ringing through what you're saying. That's, I think, probably a subplot, but something that we hear a lot about is burnout in healthcare. Oh, and yeah. when you start talking about, we can't make changes for 17 years, right? Yeah. That automatically sets off bells and whistles of frustration. And I so, can't get anything done. But when you start, I mean, the word, even the verbiage that you're using that you probably don't even realize you're using because we're just doing this live are things like it was enabling to them, yeah. right? And we're sharing things and making things possible. And I think yeah. one, of the, one of the biggest contributing factors to burnout is the idea that change isn't possible. Right, right. And, right. and you've changed that story. Yeah, I think so. And I think that's the power of the podcast. And something that keeps me stoked about it is that, you know, for me, I think, I think a lot of, um, I don't know, educators, healthcare providers, just a lot of individuals, you know, that you see yourself as like, you know, you, you like the say, like the sage on the stage, you know, like you see yourself as the hero of the story. And I think my approach to the anesthesia guidebook is a little different than that. I really, want to see the anesthesia providers out there as the hero. And what I'm able to, to do is with this platform is hopefully equip them to be able to make the changes they need to make in their practice in order awesome. to come through for their patients, win the day, feel stoked at the end of the day, um, you know, see positive change uh, yeah. in their own practices and, and feel empowered to be able to you know, systematically look at some complex topics, whether it's just, you know, learning more about pharmacology or, you know, systems, things like, uh, you know, billing and staffing models and, and how to navigate that in your career so that you can make changes in a shorter time frame, so that you can feel empowered to be operating at your fullest at your best practice uh, and really to be able to master that craft. And so you, you're able to provide the best care for your patients. I think that's ultimately what anesthesia providers really want to be able to do. Right. Um, and you, I mean, you are, you are singing our song for all reasons, right? That's, that's kind of the overall purpose of timeout for anesthesia. It's, it's the purpose that even Graphium has in mind when they're doing 
their data and analytics, right? What we want to do is hand you the things that let you, number one, get back to the thing that you love. Number two, remember that you love the thing that you're doing, yeah, right? Is, sure. is, um, I have, I have yet to meet an anesthesia provider, CRNA, anesthesiologist alike, that just kind of stumbled into the profession and doesn't really care about it. Right. <laughs> right. They're all, every single provider that I've ever met is passionate about healthcare, is passionate about, um, about patient care and patient well-being. Um, and they're passionate about doing their job well and performing yeah. well. And they want to, they want to do things well. And when, you know, people like you, people like people like us, can get behind them and kind of help rally. I just, it just, I think it just pays off really great dividends. Yeah, I think um, you can find ways to eliminate things that are frustrating for anesthesia providers to get in the way, or you know. And again, I was listening to a book on healthcare policy and economics recently, and. Uh, I, I have a, I have a 10 month old son right now. So the, the, I didn't know that John. Yeah. The days All of right. like turning pages, uh, are, you know, are on pause right now. I don't have time to like, <laughs> read a book. So I'm, right. I'm listening to books all the time. So I was listening to a book recently on healthcare policy and economics. And it was interesting. The author said, you know, health physicians, healthcare providers, you're trained in medicine. You're not trained in healthcare which was really interesting to hear. Oh, you know, you're cool. trained you're trained on how to be a good clinician, how to how to execute your job well. I think if you look at physician anesthesiologists and CRNAs, you're trained to become an expert clinician, how to get someone safely regardless of their comorbidities from pre-op through PACU or through procedures, but you're not really trained in how to navigate the healthcare system. You know, case in point, uh, I've got a friend locally that just um I think he fractured his uh, a couple bones in his foot um, through a nasty fall. He was doing some housework, took a fall off the ladder, fractured some bones in his foot, and ended up going through the surgical center where he works. Uh, but but interestingly, he's actually not on his group's health insurance plan. He's on his wife's health insurance plan. Turns out that the anesthesia practice, like his own team and the surgery center where he got surgery was out of network for his wife's health insurance. He got services there, but ended up with this huge bill that he's now having to navigate and pay out of pocket for. And he's <laughs> no like, way. I, I had no, he's like, I work at this facility. How is this? You know, and there's changes here locally in Portland, Maine, you know, the, the primary healthcare system um, in Maine right now has basically fired Anthem Blue Cross and they're doing some massive shifts about, you know, the primary hospital in Portland being in network or out of network with Anthem, which affects, you know, hundreds of thousands of people in the state of Maine. But your average healthcare provider is, is actually not an expert in those kinds of things, you know, billing practices, um, data analysis, stuff that Graphium's doing. And so I think that, you know, they're really good clinicians. They're trained to be good clinicians, but not necessarily navigate the healthcare system with expertise and proficiency. So I definitely think there's a space, um, you know, in the, in the social media sphere, you know, podcasts, blogs, whatever it might be to help equip and empower healthcare providers to navigate those challenges. Right. Uh, well, I am... More than enthusiastic about what you're doing, John. <laughs> oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. Um, and you do it well. Um, for anybody listening and watching right now, um, highly recommend you check out Anesthesia Guidebook um, because John's it's it's accurate. John 
uh, is there for all levels, whether you are a student just starting out uh, or whether you're a seasoned professional, there's content for everybody. Um, highly recommend. Um, John, where would you where would you say if somebody's going to Anesthesia Guidebook right now uh, and they had to pick one episode, like a, you need to start right here, what would oh, you say boy. would be a good? <laughs> uh, there's a show on there called 10 Things That Every Anesthesia Provider Should Know. It's a quick show. It's like 15 minutes. Uh, if you give me a second, I can tell you what episode it is. But um, I just run down. Uh, yeah, that'd be great. So it's episode yeah. episode number 12. I didn't okay. line it up with uh, no, episode number 10, but it's episode number 12 and it's 10 Things Everything every anesthesia provider should know. And in that, I just go through some, some basic tips that, you know, how to navigate your career. Well, um, you'll get a little bit of an idea of the style of the podcast. Um, and, and here's some quick tips on basically, you know, how to, how to tweak your career and set a trajectory that you can be stoked about. Perfect. All right. Yeah. And I'll include that in the links down here, everybody take a look. Um, John, thank you so much for being on the show. Really, really appreciate it. Yeah. David, thank you so much. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. I appreciate it. Of course. All right. Everybody, we'll see you next time on Time Out for Anesthesia. Bye-bye.